It was a late November evening in 2018 at one of the hottest parties in Dubai. On the rooftop of a hotel, a DJ was spinning tracks while people milled about dressed in what they probably considered their most fashionable ensemble. We're talking about something that, at least in my life, you rarely see a person wearing. This is something that it, it's like straight off the some fashion show runway. I love your outfit. I love your outfit. <laughs> Thank you. At the party, which was hosted by Fendi for its most valued customers, was this Nigerian influencer called Hush Puppy. He's wearing extremely high-end shoes. He's got a watch that's probably a $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 watch. Oh, hi. Really? <laughs> he was waltzing around the room, filming the whole evening for his millions of Instagram followers. I mean, let's be honest, you can't wear an outfit that extravagant and not flaunt it for the gram. His followers, they loved his posts. Hush Puppy showed off the lifestyle of the super rich, but added a you-can-do-it attitude with quotes that felt like they came from a yogi tea bag. The caption would usually say something like, God doesn't force open flowers. They bloom in their own time. And then it would be like, hashtag Fendi, hashtag Gucci, hashtag Rolls Royce. His posts showed that he was spending his days as a VIP at the Dubai Grand Prix, at Paris Fashion Week, or at parties like this one. This is Evan Ratliff, who spent months investigating Hush Puppy for Bloomberg. If you think about how curated just the ordinary person's Instagram is, just a regular person trying to always look good on Instagram, you're talking about that times a thousand. A lot of people called him the billionaire Gucci master. What's interesting is the Gucci master had come from nothing, growing up in one of the poorest neighborhoods, and now he had made it into the world of the super rich. But life in that world was short-lived. It all went wrong on a night in June of 2020. They were having a quiet night. It was after midnight, I think. Hush Puppy slept upstairs. His friend Pac was there. There was another friend there. And they were, I think he said, watching TV or something downstairs. Hush Puppy and his friends had been hanging out at his place, the penthouse of the Palazzo Versace Dubai. Now, you got to understand, this was the kind of pad that I'm sure most of us wouldn't mind staying in for a few days. I'm talking about multiple floors, a private pool, hot tub, and if you went downstairs, you'd find a garage packed with Ferraris and Rolls Royces. They just burst in the door. Hush Puppy had so much money and everyone knew who he was. Of course, he's out there telling everyone where he lives and how much money he has. So their first thought was, oh, we're about to get robbed. But it wasn't the gear these guys were after. It was Hush Puppy himself. The Dubai police SWAT team conducted a raid. They're wearing flak jackets. They've got automatic weapons. They are wearing helmets. It's like they're coming after a fully armed gang. These cops were way overdressed. It was like they were expecting some kind of huge shootout with a violent criminal. And we're talking about Hush Puppy. I mean, he could have secretly been also running like a violent crime ring, but the fact is like he absolutely was not. He was just the dude who was like living a luxury life. Needless to say, instead, they found Hush Puppy upstairs asleep. The police woke him, cuffed him and his friends, and marched them out of the apartment. He's wearing, you know, a designer T-shirt, of course. They took everything in the raid, including his phones and computers. They claim that they got like $40 million, and it was reported as $40 million in cash. 
but it was ridiculous. They never substantiated that. I think they probably froze some things in a bank account and called it $40 million. And then they whisked him away and very quickly put him on a plane and sent him back to the U.S. The social media star was arrested in an international sting operation that involved both the FBI and Dubai police. And it was all because of something people had wondered about Hush Puppy for years. There was always this question about where his money really came from. And like, how did he get so wealthy? This luxury brand influencer was part of a network of scammers running a wildly successful, elusive con called the Business Email Compromise, or BEC scam. It's basically just just asking someone to pay you. That's all it is. It's just very smartly asking them to pay you money that they think they owe. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheap, the podcast where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? Today, we meet the billionaire Gucci master. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So when we talk about what a business email compromise scam is, the definition that I've used is essentially it's an impersonation attack Crane Hasseld is a former FBI agent turned director of threat intelligence at Abnormal Security. He's seen how BEC scams have become a huge business. Over the past five to six years, this is from the FBI, business email compromise has caused more than $43 billion of financial loss worldwide. And when you compare that to something like ransomware, it's on the order of 10 to 20 times higher than other types of of cyber attacks that we see out there. You're talking about money that is just being given away by companies in scams, billions of dollars every single year. The scam itself is actually pretty simple. Step one, get into a corporate email. The hackers usually do that through a phishing attack. Something like, click here to reset your password. Your email has been compromised. The victim obliges, and just like that, the real hackers are in. If I was running one of these attacks, first I would identify who I'm going to contact to try to get them to send me money. Usually this is going to be someone on a finance team, an accounts receivable team, within an organization. Step two, study your mark. The fraudsters watch every message that comes in and out of the email. And I'm talking about everything. The time invoices are paid, when the boss sends out payment reminders, what invoices look like. Then they just sit there in the email and they just watch it and they see, okay, what's going in, what's coming out? What are they paying? They're saying, oh, you're paying this invoice, you're paying that invoice. And step three, they strike. They make a fake invoice. It looks totally real. They can send it from the email that they've compromised to someone. Saying, we have a new vendor that we need to get a payment out. Can you send this out first thing today? 
if they're not paying attention, they would come back and say, yes, of course. I would then provide them with a, uh, with a mule account. A mule account, by the way, is an account belonging to the hackers. If they've done their jobs well, the invoice will look genuine. It'll be almost perfect. So the hackers send out the fake invoice and the unsuspecting finance employee pays it. And then the money goes into their bank account. Boom. I mean, you can sort of see how it happens. Just imagine you're at your job in the finance department, day in and day out, at the same desk, handling invoices and sending out money, even millions of dollars worth of money. And if you do this process enough times, you can practically do it in your sleep. And as long as everything follows the usual process, there wouldn't be a need to confirm that the bank account on the form is the right one. And oftentimes, the companies don't actually realize it's gone for at least a day or two, sometimes a week, because someone's invoiced them. They said, okay, we paid the invoice. And then it might take a while for that customer to say, hey, my payment never showed up. What, what happened? And then they say, oh, no, I paid the invoice. And there's a back and forth. And then suddenly they realize, oh, this money went somewhere. This invoice is a little bit off, <laughs> you know? And that's essentially how these scams work. It's very, very easy. Turns out, Hush Puppy and his crew had spent years asking companies for millions of dollars. And they were wildly successful at getting it. That's after the break. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Hush Puppy, whose real name is Ramon Abbas, grew up in a neighborhood which locals call Oworo in Lagos, Nigeria. His father worked as a taxi driver, while his mother sold bread at the local market. I also grew up in that same area. Adedeji Oyuniga is an expert in cybercrime who teaches at Lagos State University. You see an entire family living in a warm apartment, a father, a mother, and five or more children living in one room. The parents may sleep on the bed and then the children will sleep on the floor in different shapes. Here in Nigeria, they call it trenches. And when Hush Puppy was a teenager in the early 2000s, these trenches became the breeding ground for a new type of scammer. Cyber cafes had just started opening up in Lagos and kids from the neighborhood would hang out in one nearby. At the beginning, it was just a group of young boys who had nothing to do than to go to the cyber cafe to play and probably to also make friends. Out of boredom, 
they'd log on to chat rooms to meet people. And at first, the conversation would be pretty friendly until they revealed that they were from Nigeria. Then things would go south. Unfortunately, it wasn't that easy for them to make friends. A lot of people online thought of Nigeria as the epicenter of cybercrime. You've heard of those fake Nigerian princes. You might have gotten an email from them once or twice. Well, they'd been scamming people out of money since the 90s. The reputation was everywhere. So when these teenagers would log into chat rooms to make friends, they quickly get shot down and shamed. After a while, Adedeji says the stigma wore on people. And with few legitimate job opportunities in the country, teenagers began embracing the scammer stereotype. They became Yahoo Boys. The name coming from the free email accounts they'd use to scam people out of money. If there's an environment in which opportunity is curtailed, the state is corrupt, law enforcement has a lot of corruption, there's opportunity in the realm of criminal ventures. There are people who are going to be funneled in that direction because they can't see any opportunity anywhere else. Adedeji spent several years living with a group of Yahoo boys near where Hush Puppy grew up. He got to know their lifestyle pretty well. These are young guys who would never refer to themselves by their first name, who, of course, have a peculiar lifestyle too. That is the kind of song that they listen to, the kind of places that they go to, and in terms of how they spend their money, what they do is spend money endlessly. Uh, they go as far as using the money to do a kind of competition among themselves. He'd see these Yahoo boys trying out all sorts of scams. At first, they kept things simple, writing fake checks and taking out money before banks noticed. But as the internet became more sophisticated, so did their grifts. They'd use fake phone numbers to trick grandparents into thinking their children were stuck and needed money. Or they'd woo lonely widowers and take their money. Eventually, being a Yahoo boy was big business. You have various opportunities just about choosing a part. But then the peer pressure can have a lot of impression on you, and that can affect the kind of part that you choose to take. Neither Adedeji or Evan were able to find out exactly what Hush Puppy was up to at this time. But it was clear that he had an eye for luxury. He'd visit the rich neighborhood in Lagos known as The Island and find used designer clothes he would resell elsewhere. As he told another influencer on Instagram Live a few years ago, This is what I used to admire when I didn't have it. I was buying it and I couldn't use it myself and I was going to sell it for, to people so I can make profits, you know. And it was here, in the well-off district of Lagos, that Hush Puppy dreamt of his future. He sort of like went to the island, which is the more upscale, wealthier district of Lagos, and, you know, started to see Range Rovers and these other cars. And then he thought, I'm going to own that. And he would say, I'm the kind of person who sees that and says, that can be me. But if Hush Puppy was going to become the kind of guy who drove a Range Rover, he felt like he'd have to leave Nigeria to do it. As cybercrime became a big business, police started using it as an excuse to crack down on anyone they could find. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad, also known as SARS, was set up in the 90s to tackle a spate of robberies and kidnappings. But now they expanded their policing power to cybercrime, using it as an excuse to extort suspects and carry out extrajudicial killings. And often, the people they were targeting weren't even Yahoo boys. 
sometimes a worker for a technical company is confused or taken in as a Yahoo boy by the police. People were getting arrested and tortured for owning iPhones and carrying laptops or just dressing in khakis. You have to provide a lot of evidence for them to let you go because you have no money to share with them because you are not a Yahoo boy in the first place. At the end of the day, everybody in a particular age group was dressed the same way. So you cannot conclude hastily that everyone dressed in a certain way or working in a certain way, found in a certain place, are all involved in cybercrime. It was really bad. And the cop who headed it all, Abba Kiari, had earned himself the nickname of Super Cop for saving school children and aggressively catching assassins. Now he faces extradition to the U.S. To escape the violence, in 2014, Ramon Abbas moved to Kuala Lumpur. He told people he was going there to study, but there were no books and libraries on his Instagram feed. Instead, there was just him living a luxury lifestyle, posted under the name Hush Puppy. In the beginning in particular, there's a lot of interplay between him and other sort of low-level wannabe influencers. So they kind of try to build off each other. They're liking and commenting on each other's posts. He'd start drama with other Nigerian influencers, saying stuff like they weren't paying bills at restaurants. And then they bite back by saying, hey, will you abandon your family by leaving Nigeria? And then they'd make up, and then suddenly, you know, a million more people would know who Hush Puppy was. It was just genius. Meanwhile, he was spending incredible amounts of money. In 2015, Versace Kuala Lumpur gave him a gift for being their best customer. And if you're wondering what that looks like, this dude went and spent $20,000 just in one day. I just spent $20,000. A gift from Versace. Hush Puppy spent more and more time in Dubai. He was staying with an old friend from Nigeria, this guy called Ismaila Mustafa. He was also an influencer known as Monfa. The two men would go on wild shopping sprees and then post about it on social media. Monfa also helped Hush Puppy get his visa to move to Dubai in 2017. Once he got settled in, his online following and spending skyrocketed. He was living in a penthouse apartment in the Versace Hotel, flying in private jets, attending fashion shows in Paris. And he kind of elevated into this celebrity realm where he's mixing with celebrities all the time. And then he's become a kind of not quite brand ambassador paid for these brands, but like that's his job is he's out there selling luxury brands and himself. Here we are. Ramon Abbas, a.k.a. the billionaire Gucci master, a.k.a. Hush Puppy, had officially arrived in the world of the super rich. But back in Nigeria, rumors were spreading. Where did Hush Puppy get his money? It was hard to imagine he'd be making enough from brand sponsorships or his apparent job as a real estate manager. If you read about him in Nigerian gossip blogs, they'd call him Nigerian big boy, and that's kind of like a pseudo... Basically, they mean Yahoo boy when they say that. So he had a kind of edge to him, much like a hip-hop artist or someone who has like a little bit of edge to them, and that's part of their popularity. And turns out, They weren't far off. Hush Puppy had joined a network including North Korean state-sponsored hackers and a Canadian named Galeb Alamari, who were running huge BEC scams. Hush Puppy became their money man. 
when it came to the BEC scams, he was someone who could get a hold of bank accounts in different parts of the world that could accept big transfers. What you got to understand is scammers around the world make millions of dollars and they got to find a place to put it without it being traced back to them. So Hush Puppy's use came from finding these bank accounts that could take in huge amounts of cash and then he'd send it back to the original scammers. So basically, he was cleaning money. If everything is working as it should, and there is trust between the scammers, which, as you can imagine, there's a lot of scamming within scammers that happens, there is usually a cut that someone like Hush Puppy would take before passing it on to the original scammer. Some of these agreements could be somewhere between 20 and 40% of the money that's being made. And what's crazy is this group, they were ambitious. Like the time they tried to steal over $100 million from a Premier League soccer club. They'd intercepted a deal and submitted their own invoice, complete with banking details and all. Preferably, you need a local bank, or at least if you're in Europe, you want a European bank, because if you show up with an invoice that says, like, you know, you're invoicing someone in the UK and, and the, the banks in Mexico, this actually happened to Hush Puppy. He had a bank account in Mexico and it just didn't work. They were like, we're not sending the money to Mexico. Like, why would we be sending the money to Mexico? So having control of those bank accounts, that was sort of what he provided. In another attempt, Alamari came to Hush Puppy for a pair of bank accounts able to receive over $6 million each. He provided some accounts from Romania and over 500000 made it into each of them before the bank found out. But it was too late. The hackers had already moved a bunch of money. I still can't believe it. I still can't believe it. I mean, there once a German parts manufacturer lost $35 million in one go. Like, you're talking about a company that just gave away $35 million in a day to a random scammer. It's like, you cannot believe that this is happening. This guy, Hush Puppy, he was really rolling it in. I mean, this guy was taking up to 40% from million-dollar transactions. But back on Hush Puppy's social media, things weren't always so rosy. His thirst for online clout was causing rifts between old friends. Arguing in the Insta comments, Hush Puppy accused Monfa of laundering money for Nigerian politicians. He also accused singer KC of wearing knockoff luxury watches. Now, you can't tell somebody on Instagram with millions of followers that they're wearing fake jewelry. So in response, the artist said that Nigeria's Economic and Financial Crimes Commission should pay a little closer attention to Hush Puppy's money. But despite the heat, Hush Puppy always had a safe space on the gram. His ability to rise up through social and class ranks despite the haters was a key part of his brand. He had this pretty famous, one of his more famous posts that was like, letter from a ghetto kid that was basically, hey, you can make it, I made it. And there's an element of that to all of this. The post showed Hush Puppy on the Greek island of Santorini, lounging in a hot tub, glass of wine in hand. In the caption, he talks about how he developed from being one of you guys, saying, I represent every underprivileged kid of the world. Another time, he posted a video from the Ritz Paris Fashion Week where he was a VIP guest of Louis Vuitton. Uh, 
wanted to get out of Nigeria so badly. I tried doing everything I could. I applied for a France visa. When I applied, we were like, no, you don't have enough money to go. The only reason I could achieve this today is because I didn't let all the controversies, all the noise, all the people try and bring me down, make up all sorts of stories about me, call me names and all that, you know. Today I woke up and I'm like, wow, this is really happening, you know. But it wasn't all good vibes. People all around Hush Puppy were starting to get locked up. In 2017, one of his low-level influencer friends from his time in Kuala Lumpur, the guy he spent 20K with in Versace, got arrested in the U.S. and charged with participating in multiple BEC frauds. A few years after that, former buddy Monfa was arrested at a Nigerian airport and charged with fraud and money laundering. Hush Puppy, however, handled the fall of his ex-friend with style, posting a photo from the Dubai Rolls-Royce dealership with the caption, In life, we all at a point will go through trial times. Don't be quick to mock anyone or use anyone's trial time as a tool to chase clout. Yours will come and you might not survive it. Mm, mm, mm. Deep words spoken. Deep words spoken. But, as it happened, Hush Puppy wouldn't be surviving much longer either. That's after the break. It was a busy day in New York when KC got yet another email. This one was from one of her clients who was refinancing some of their property through Citizens Bank. The bank had gotten in touch asking for a wire transfer. They were looking for just over $900,000, the money owed for the work. From there, the paralegal did her due diligence. She first asked for the details to be sent over and followed up with a phone call. In reply, a fax came in with a phone number to call and some bank details for a Chase account. To double-check that everything lined up, KC called the number and was reassured everything was all good. So she sent the money. On the other end of the phone, a scammer was overjoyed because they had managed to insert themselves into the middle of the transaction and they stole the money. The wire transfer request had come from a spoofed email. It was another successful BEC scam. The Chase account the money actually went to was controlled by none other than our good friend Ramon Abbas, a.k.a. Hush Puppy. From there, Hush Puppy sent about half of the money to his compatriot, Galeb Alamari. That's kind of classic money laundering is move it quickly from one bank account to another. So if it happens in the U.S., maybe they get it into a Canadian account, then it goes to Eastern Europe or to Hong Kong, and then it's halfway around the world before they even know it's gone. Once the job was done, Alamari wanted to check he got his cut. He messaged his co-conspirator saying, Hey man, keep a lookout for the 396 until you hear from me. And just so you know, the 396 was the $396,000 Hush Puppy was supposed to pay to him. To which he replied, Okay, we'll do. Alamari, clearly a bit nervous, came back to ask, 
I'm in L.A. now, so how can I make sure? In response, he was sent a screenshot of them logged into the account the money was meant to go into. Later that day, he got back in touch asking, Did the big hit? Yes, sir, the colleague replied. From there, Alamari got in touch with Hush Puppy to let him know the money had made it. In reply, Abbas asked for a screenshot as proof. Alamari was having Wi-Fi troubles. He told Abbas the screenshot would come shortly, but it never made it. The FBI had been tracking Alamari, known as Big Boss Online, ever since he stole $10 million from a Canadian university in 2017. They arrested him at an unknown airport and charged him with money laundering. Once the FBI had him, they were able to link him to Hush Puppy right away. I don't think he was ever like a master criminal when it all came out in his indictments. You know, he wasn't particularly strong in the area of being careful about your communications if you're involved in a a criminal conspiracy of some type. I mean, come on, fellas. Like, if you were responsible for robbing millions of dollars from major companies, you'd at least keep yourself pretty hard to track down, I'm assuming. I mean, I'd at least use a pseudonym or something. He's using his regular cell phone that's registered to him. It's connected to a Snapchat account. And then he's, you know, he's talking on Snapchat messages. And the whole thing's just not very secure. It's like all connected to the same email. Really, bro? Come on, man. Like, I'm not even a criminal and I'm disappointed in you. Like, this is amateur hour. Using your personal cell phone, your personal email address to run these scams, stealing millions of dollars. Like, he's literally like posting on Snapchat and then using the DMs of Snapchat to talk about committing massive, massive crimes. Hush Puppy must have thought he was invincible or something. Shielded by his extreme wealth and access to high society, he can't help but wonder if he felt like he was able to do whatever he wanted to do without consequences. By the time the Dubai police and FBI raided his apartment in June of 2020, they had found enough evidence to arrest him for a conspiracy to engage in money laundering. The FBI agent said that Hush Puppy was one of the leaders of a transnational network that targeted victims around the world in schemes designed to steal hundreds of millions of dollars. He was also indicted for his involvement in an attempt to defraud a Qatari business person for over a million dollars. As of August of 2022, the Instagram star pled guilty and is awaiting sentencing. Hush Puppy seemed like one of those special souls who decided he was going to be adored no matter what it took. He wanted so badly to outspend his Yahoo boy buddies, to be able to live a life like the wealthy Nigerians he saw on the island. Hush Puppy knew that one way to get the life he wanted was to create it online first. And isn't that a little bit of what we're all doing on social media? Presenting ourselves as something that we're not? saying or doing things because we think it'll make us feel seen or give us some kind of social currency. Sure, for you, it might be some beautiful sunset or a plate of food from a fancy restaurant. For Hush Puppy, it was Rolls Royces and private helicopters. Evan Ratliff has a new podcast called Persona, The French Deception. The show investigates a con man who has duped some of the world's most powerful people into handing over their fortunes. 
Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And, of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. I show up and the guy who's like a white American guy is like, oh, are you here for the mangoes? It's like I'm in this cargo bay in, in Detroit airport. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Cheat is written and presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by George McDonough. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. Assemblies and scoring by Sabina Singani. Engineering, sound design, and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. Mm-hmm.